I get to introduce to you the guy who is going to be speaking. It's me. Hi. Yeah, normally I'm introducing somebody else, but it's, it's me today. And for those of you who don't know me, my name is Matt King. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and I, uh, I oversee Adventureland right now. And so I get to work with kids. And I also have two six-year-olds, two six-year-olds, and uh, they're not twins. And some of you have probably heard this before, but I remember when they were really little. We would go around, and here's these two little infants, and we'd go through a checkout, and the people would be, oh, oh, cool, twins. We're like, no, actually, they're not. They're, they're five months apart. And you could see them start to think. <laughs> and then they would look at me like I'm some kind of a perv. You're like, oh. Like, no, we adopted one. Oh. But uh, they're now both six years of age, and uh, it's awesome. And I tell you, for those of you who are, are, are new parents, new parents, and for those of you who are grandparents or older parents, you know that there is this wonderful, amazing, powerful phrase. It's, it's formed as a question. It, it, you've got to know it. It's awesome. It's this. Let's see how fast you can do this. And it works. You could get them to finish the food on their plate. Let's see how fast you can eat that. And even if they don't like it, it's suddenly a competition, and so now they're scarfing it down. Or how about the messy room? Let's see how fast you can clean that room up. And they'll go about, we're all busy. Or if you're just plain tired of talking to them, hey, run down to the other end of the block and uh, run back twice, and I'll time you. Go. Ready, set, go. Go. It works. Oh, I know, I'm a bad parent. But, it, you know, it's not just me. There's bad PE teachers, too. I was at my kid's school the other day, and they were playing red light, green light. You guys know that game, red light, green light? Oh, it's an awesome game. Another game that tires kids out. And so uh, they're playing red light, green light. And honestly, as I'm watching red light, green light, I'm thinking, you know, this is a perfect illustration for the sermon I'm going to be preaching here in another week or so. It, the, the rules are almost genuinely the same. And if you're not familiar with red light, green light, let me explain the, the rules real quick. If, if you're the person who is calling out the game, what you do is you have all the kids line up like at a line, okay, out, uh, away from you. And they're all lined up. And then you can do it one of two ways. You can be like, green light, and then they all start running towards you. And then you spin back around, red light, and they have to stop. No movement. No movement at all. If you lean, you have to go back to the start line again, and then that's bad. You don't want to do that. You want to be the first person that actually reaches the collar, because then you get to be the collar. Okay, that's red light, green light. But you can't just run as fast as you want to in the game of red light, green light. Because when the person spins around or they open up their eyes and they yell red light, if you're going with so much speed that you're out of control, you're going to go right back to the beginning. So it's not just speed. It's speed with control. Speed with control. Now, and just in case you're not quite clued in yet to what I mean by speed. Speed with control. I've got a little video clip I want to show you that demonstrates speed and control. Take a look at this. Let's see how stupid these guys are. In the middle of the woodlands. Actually, in the back. Yep, knew that was coming. 
every time I see it, I laugh. Knuckleheads. So, okay, there you go. There's a good example of speed without control. And uh, you're probably thinking right now, how on earth does this apply to a sermon? Well, let me explain. How it applies is this. I believe that we are in a, a game, sort of a game. It's not really a game. It's more like a spiritual mission of red light, green light. And what it is is that God has given every single person here the ability to be able to do something, something really good that is intended to help the rest of the church, the rest of the body. The Bible talks about this, and we're going to read through this uh, portion of that today. And so it's like God has turned on the green light. He said, here you go. Here's your car. Here's your ability. Here's your vehicle. Here's the special thing that I've given you to do. Green light, go. And he wants you to go with speed and control. But sometimes we don't. Uh, Sometimes there are people who are red light thinkers, even when the green light's on. And if you've been, you know, one of those people who's been behind the red light thinker when the green light goes on, you're like, hey, what's up, man? It's green, and you're wanting to honk the horn at them. Have you ever been that person behind the guy or the gal at the green light, and they're still red light thinking? And you're like, honk. I've figured out that if you do just a little double tap honk, honk, honk. That's more considerate than the full-on lay-on-the-horn honk. <laughs> Note to self. <clears throat> so, red light thinking. Some of us have red light thinking when God gives us the green light to go. And so we're going to talk about red light thinking today, how we're paralyzed with that. And how we're going to do that is we're going to read through a portion of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So if you brought a Bible with you today or a, you got a phone app that has the Bible on it, go ahead and open that up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and keep that open to there, because that's where we're going we're gonna to camp there today. And the first place that I'm going to read out of is right there at the beginning in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. And then I'm going to skip and read verses 4 through 7. There's just so much in there. Feel free to read that on your own time, but i got to keep this short today. I know you guys want to get out and play in the sun a little bit. So I'm going to start here at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. This is what it says. Now, dear brothers and sisters... Regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. Then verse 4. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Now, notice in the first part here that Paul is, is writing a letter back to this church in Corinth. And so what we, what we can, can assume here, or, or maybe kind of put the pieces together, is that somehow, way, they've sent him a question saying, hey, uh, can you give me a little heads up on this whole special ability thing that the Spirit gives to us. We, we need some clarification. Maybe there's some misunderstanding. Paul's the one who says, I don't want you to misunderstand this. So maybe he's thinking that they're misunderstanding this whole thing. And so what Paul is trying to communicate to them is this primary, very important lesson right off the top before he goes into any detail on it, okay? And so for those of you who have one of the sermon note things and you've got all the blanks in front of you, here's the first set of the blanks, and I want everybody to understand this very important point that Paul makes right off the bat, and it's this. All of us are empowered by the Spirit to do something, All of us are empowered by the Spirit to do something. That's the first thing that he tries to clue everybody there in the church into. All of us are empowered by the Spirit to do something. 
In other words, it's, it's, it's like this. If you are a person who is a Christian, you have said, Jesus, I, I surrender my life over to you. I realize that I am a sinner that needs to be saved. And you're the only one that can forgive me of the stupid stuff that I've done. Will you please take control over my life and, and then use me to do whatever it is that you want? And you're still in the process of surrender, maybe. But the moment that you believe that Jesus Christ is the only way, the truth and the life, and you are willing to sacrifice control over to him, he says, Awesome, I'll take it. And he puts the spirit inside of you, and the spirit begins to go to work, cleaning us up, changing us, radically transforming us from being self-absorbed punks to being the kind of people who worship God. That's what he does. And so what Paul is saying is, is along with this, what you get is a certain special ability to be able to do something that helps everybody else out. That's not awesome. And everybody's like, yeah, that's awesome. Can you explain more about this? And so he's trying to do that. He's trying to explain it, but the first thing he says is, make sure you know this, it's for all of you. Every single one of you. Very important point. But there are red light thinkers, and those red light thinkers, green light turns on, God's like, man, I've given you something, I want you to do this, and they're like, oh, I don't know, man, I like the start line here. And so Paul goes through and he gives an illustration, and he describes in this illustration Red light thinking. And so again, for you who are filling in blanks, we're going to talk about the first two fill in your blanks because he mentions it all in this one passage, this one clump of all of these uh, verses together. So here are the first two things on your list, the first two problems here. The first is inferior thinking. Inferior thinking. And you, I'm sure you know what inferior thinking is, but I'll explain it. And the second is superior thinking. These two things, inferior thinking and superior thinking, are the two problems that Paul mentions first when he addresses the church and he tries to help everybody understand that all of you are gifted, all of you have special abilities, but there are some problems. And it's red light thinking. When God's turned the green light on, some of you are red light thinking. And this is how he describes it. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to start in verse 12. Then I'm going to hit 14 through 16 and 20 and 21. Here's what it says. The human body has many parts. But the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, inferior thinking, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, inferior thinking, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Yes, There are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you, superior thinking. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you, superior thinking. So you have these two different thoughts. Both are red light thinking. One is a red light thinking in that I'm at the start line and I can't do anything because I'm, I'm only a foot. You know, I'm an ear. I'm not an eye. And the other is the superior thinking of, oh, man, dude, man, you are such a foot. (laughs) Really? I mean, come on. Get back in the shoe where you belong, you stinky. And and that happens. I'm sorry to say it happens. And I I believe that there are people who are probably in this room right now who who are guilty of thinking that way. They think that somehow, someway, by, by comparison, that they don't have a gift that is really all that important or it's not significant or maybe they don't even know what it is. And so they're like, yeah, man, I'm not going to serve. I'm going to show up to church. And that's awesome. That's great. That's first gear. 
Shifting second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth in some cars, it's awesome, is when you start to realize that God wants you to be doing something besides just showing up to church, getting involved, serving, special ability, green light, come on, hit the pedal. That's what God wants from us. But some of us are red light thinkers. We're like, oh, yeah, I don't have that kind of gift. And then there are some whose gifts are really obvious. And it could be a real danger for those whose gifts are really obvious uh, to sometimes be like, you know, I really don't even pay attention to all the other people that are out there with gifts because mine's so obvious, you know. I mean, let's, let's take it. There are some people whose gifts are really, really, it's clear what they are. I want to use, use Betsy. If you don't know who Betsy is, she was a gal who was singing up here on the, on the platform, Betsy Pittenger. Incredible gifts that God has given to her. I, I kind of imagine it in my head that God is like, when it came time for the Spirit to give gifts, he's like, okay, uh, here you go, and this is for you. <laughs> there you go. And, okay, hey, this one is for, no, wait. There you go. And then with Betsy, it's like, <clears throat> here, there you go. I mean, the gal can sing. She's administratively gifted. And have you ever heard her pray <sighs> or preach? I mean, she's an amazing preacher. Every time she preaches, I'm sitting back here or wherever going, man, I wish she would do that more often. And, you know, the little side note, little rabbit trail. You know, for years and years and years, I've prayed, hey, God, would you, would you please give me the gift of speaking in tongues? You know, for those of you who don't know what that gift is, if you're kind of new to this whole churchy thing, a lot of different gifts, one of them's mentioned in there, is the gift of speaking in a language that you don't even know what it is. It's just something where the Holy Spirit empowers you, and all of a sudden, you're just rattling it off, and, and, and you don't even know what it is. And there's another person who has the gift of interpretation. So for years, I prayed, God, would you give me the gift of speaking in tongues? And God's like, uh-uh, no. No, I gave you a gift, and you need to use it. And I'm like, oh, come on, man. So I, I quit praying for that. Now I'm praying for the gift of interpretation. <laughs> so next time Betsy starts praying in Spanish, I'm going to be like, okay, God, now's the moment. Come on. <laughs> Give it to me, and I'm going to be able to translate it all. And that's probably not going to happen either. But <laughs> anyway, back on track. Um, God gives everybody special gifts and abilities, and He's given them to you, and He's given them to me. And sometimes it's hard for us to realize that what we are plays a vital role in the body. We all need to be there to help make it work. And so I want to give you an illustration about how that works. And so years ago, I was in a staff meeting. And uh, there was a particular gal on staff in the staff meeting, and she had a cup sitting in front of her, very much like this one, with two straws, or a straw in it. And so I said to her, um, I won't mention her name, Deb, and um, <laughs> I said, uh, hey, you nameless person, Deb, would you, would you do me a favor? Would you pick up that glass, and I want you to use your elbows and take a drink from it? She's like, fine. Okay. Mm. Mm. Ah. There. Very good. Good job. Deb. Says, okay, now I want you to go ahead and just take a drink from the glass normally. Fine. Ah. There. I'm like, okay, second time, did you use your elbows? Think about it. <laughs> of course she did. 
how come no one gives the elbow some love? We seem to be all about the hands. Oh, they're so awesome. And then little digits and fingers and stuff. But that hand would be worthless if there wasn't an elbow. Can I get an amen? amen? So how many people out here are elbows who are always thinking, you know, I'm, I'm not a hand. I really don't belong in the body. How many people are out there are hands who are completely oblivious to the fact that without an elbow, you're worthless? See, God has designed this body to work, and you are a part of it. You are a significant part of it. And when you don't work, the body doesn't work. That's the way it works. God wants every single one of us to realize that we are a significant part of the body. We have a part to play. And unless everybody's doing their job, we really don't work well together. And so that's uh, hopefully an illustration that if you... You forget everything else about the sermon today. You walk away from that and you give a little elbow love, okay? But that's not the main thing that Paul really was driving into in terms of addressing everybody there. He had more stuff for them too. In fact, one of the things that he goes into, and it's, actually it's going to be my last point, you know, this is a short sermon. Um, it, it's, it's something that goes beyond all of this. And I, I want to take a minute and I want you guys to do a little flashback with me in, in a non-drug way flashback back to the church in Corinth a couple of thousand years ago. This is a church that people are coming into this new churchy social space from all kinds of radical different backgrounds. Some of them are coming from drunkenness and perversity and fighting and all these weird worshiping other gods and idolatry and all these other crazy practices and now they're coming into a place filled with grief and filled with burden and they're coming to this Christ, this Messiah, this one who says, listen, I don't care what it is that you've done. I can forgive you. And not only that, I don't care how rancid you think that your walk is, I can take control over your life and I can begin to do some things inside of you that will change you from the inside out and your world will be different. And these people are finding hope and they're finding how sweet the taste of forgiveness is for the first time. And they're, they're finding out what it's like to have a new purpose and to have be separated from a lifestyle and actions that were brutal and vicious and selfish. And now they're coming into this environment where they're like, awesome. It's not just a head thing, but they can feel the power of God inside of their life. And they're watching lives radically being changed. And it, it becomes addictive. And you want more, and you want more, and you want more, and you want more of God in your life. And you become excited about what it is that, that God is doing inside of you. And then all of a sudden you hear, just like this church here, we're very much like that. People coming from all these different backgrounds. And, 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 then, and then in that environment, they start to hear, God gives a special ability you mean that there's something that I can do that can contribute to all of this? That he, the Spirit's empowering me. He's supercharged me. The green light's on. I can hit the pedal and I can do this? And, and they're all excited about this. And Paul's like, yeah, that's true. Everybody's got a special ability. But here's something I need you to understand. And here's something that we all need to understand. Because I know there's a lot of you, including me, who have been in that place before where you're like, oh, man, I'm so excited about what God's doing in my life. I can't wait. I can't wait to serve. Paul says, the green light's on, but I need you to move with speed and control. Remember that clip from earlier? I need you to move with speed 
and control. Not just speed. If you move with speed and you're out of control, I promise you, you're going to burn out. And so he gives this to them. It's in 1 Corinthians 12. Again, this time verses 29, and we're going to go all the way through to chapter 13, verse 3. Are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. But now, let me show you a way of life that is best of all. If I could speak all the languages of the earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. See, what Paul's trying to say to these people is this. Guys, yeah, there are some awesome abilities that God has given to, to all of us. And all of them play such a vital role. And it's really important. But guys, I don't want you focusing in on your abilities. I don't want you thinking about, hey, I can do this. Or I can do that. And I'm good at it. Or, oh, wow, look at that person and their gifts. Ooh, that's awesome. I wish I had that. That's not what it's about. Paul says, listen, while all that's true, here's something that's the most important thing about all of that. In fact, if all of that works well, but you don't have this, all of that's worthless. What happens is when you work in this, because of this, then it works. And it's love. You have to be the kind of person who loves others. And I tell you what, that last fault, that, that, that problem thinking that Paul brings into there is what's called selfish thinking. Selfish thinking. You lose control. You go with speed, but you lose control. And here's how it works. Here's how it worked in my life. I got so excited when I came back to Christ. I grew up in the church, and I left the church, hated God, hated Christians, hated you, hated anything to do with it. And God got a hold of my life, and I'm like, oh, this is awesome. I am supercharged. I am so ready to hit the pedal. And I was all about my abilities. I was. I was thinking about all the things that I could do. And it wasn't out of a bad heart. It was just out of a selfish heart. I'm coming out of a selfish lifestyle. I'm still bringing a lot of that into my world. And, and I'm like, I'm going to do this, and I want to do this. And, I wanna... and you know what? I found out in a short period of time that there really weren't too many people who were concerned about my abilities. In fact, what they were like is, hey, dude, listen, here's, here's what I'd like for you to do. We have a 24-foot U-Haul trailer that we need you to unload every single Sunday morning and put out this entire children's ministry area in a high school. And then after we do three services, I need you to come back and mop up all of that floor because the babies left all of this stuff behind. And I need to mop all that up, stack them all back up, put it all back away in this 24-foot U-Haul trailer and take it over here and park it. Would you do that for me? And I'm like, yeah. But that's, that's really, you know, I, I could do a lot more than that. I need you to do this. And I tell you, it didn't take long for me to start spinning out because I was ready to go about with my abilities rather than doing what was a need and focusing on what had to be done. And it didn't take long before I crashed. I had to go through this, this period of time where I had to ask myself this question. What's more important, that people understand my ability or that they feel loved? 
And we can talk about that all day long, but the bottom line is, is that when you commit yourself to being the kind of individual who just wants to focus in on loving people, you're going to have to eliminate a lot of things from your life, a lot of selfish things from your life. It's funny, somebody asked me uh, prior to first service, Matt, at what point in time did you start to learn from your kids? And I said, I started learning from my kids almost immediately when they were infants. And here's what I first learned, how selfish I am, how much time that they cut into of my own, my time, my sleep time, my eat time, my play time. They don't care. They don't care. You know what? You don't have to train an infant how to be selfish, do you? Born with it. Born with it. Have you ever heard of an infant saying, oh, mom, no, really? Oh, you go ahead, get a shower. Get some food, you know. Just get some coffee and relax, and then come and feed me and change me. You guys know that's, that's, that's not what happens. No, that's not what happens. What happens is, is we are born with this selfish mentality, and we grow up with it. We become more refined in the way that we go about it as adults. And what God says, and what Paul is trying to communicate to them is, man, that's selfish thinking. And it, it, it permeates us. It goes straight to our core. And what God wants to do is, is eradicate that. He wants to nuke that out of our lives. And how he does that is by this. We have to answer the question, who knows? Who knows that I love him? And how do they know? And if you were to make a list right now of the people that you know, know love you, I'll bet you that every single person on that list is a person who serves you. And they have proven that they love you by the way that they serve you. Now make a list of how many people you think that you're going to be on their list. How many people have taken and put in your name on their little mental list right now? I know Matt loves me. I know Bob, Sue, George. I know, I know that this person loves me. And if, if they have put you on their list, I promise you it's because you serve them. And so I want to end with this. Guys, gals, Christians, for those of you who are not Christians and you're just checking this whole thing out, what you just got is an introduction of an expectation that God has of you. That if you're going to be the kind of person who surrenders your life over to him, he will gladly take your life and he will put you to work. He will flip a green light on in your life and say, here's what I want you to do. I want you to love others. And I want you to experience what it's like to be loved by me so that you're able to give that to other people. But some of you right now, right now, you need to be challenged to not be red light thinkers and to start to go and love others. You can do that right here. Here's one of the ways that you do that. I, I watch greeters out here and ushers. They're awesome. They make such a difference when they look at somebody and they just go, hi. Yeah, that might be a little creepy. I did that maybe a little creepy, but <laughs> you get the point, okay? They make a big difference when you're back in Adventureland and you're helping some little kid to be safe and learn a little bit more about Jesus. And, you know, you're, you're working with different people back there at different ages. And I understand it's a sacrifice. I understand that there's not a lot for you in it. But do those kids end up putting you on their list? I know this person loves me. Yes, they do. We have people who clean. You know, it's, it's funny. Our bathrooms. Somebody comes in as a volunteer and cleans these bathrooms every single week. I've, oftentimes, I've been tempted to say, I don't want those bathrooms cleaned for two weeks. And I would log every single complaint in one column. And I would log in another column how many people called up and said, listen, clearly there's a problem going on at East Point. And, and somebody hasn't cleaned the bathrooms. I'd like to come in and clean. I'll bet you this column's going to be 
really big. And this column's probably going to be really small. Why? Because I still think that there's a selfish thinking that exists inside of our world, not just mine, yours too, where you see a need, but we don't really meet the need. And sometimes it's red light thinking. Sometimes it's like, hey, you know what? <laughs> uh, that's above me. I don't know why. I don't think I can do that. I'm not good at that. And others are going to be like, oh, that's so beneath me. I don't do that. And then there's the others like spinning right wild, wild out of control. I want to do my gift. I want to do my thing. I'm good at this. Let me do this. I don't need you to do that. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to wipe a butt in the nursery. <laughs> that's what I need you to do. That's a big, important deal, especially to that child. <laughs> especially to that parent. They don't want to go back to that. So, anyway, let me, let, me, let me pray for you guys. Let me pray a blessing over you guys. Lord, I know there's a lot of people in here, and they could be taking this sermon in all kinds of different directions. But, Lord, I need you to do what only you can do. And that's you take these words that I offer up to you. I preach this sermon for you. I, I try to bring glory to you. I try to make you beautiful in the eyes of people because you are. And Lord, if I somehow, some way in my words mess things up, Lord, I pray that right now what you would do is you would change those words in the hearts and in the minds of every listener here today so they would hear exactly what it is that you need to hear. And if that means for some of them that they are convicted, I am good with that. I know you are good with that. Conviction oftentimes is the thing that moves us and begins to change us in our lives. When we become discontent with the way that we are, we, we seek change. So, Lord, if that's what you're doing in the hearts of certain people, awesome. Lord, there are some people I know who are convicted for the wrong reasons, though. There's not a lot that they can do in their own mind. There's, they don't have maybe the physical abilities or the skills or maybe past choices have eliminated them from serving in areas where we have our greatest needs. But Lord, I know there's always something. There's always something. And so impress it upon their minds as to what it is that they could be doing that could be a blessing and a benefit to this entire body. And Lord, there are some in here who are doing it. They are awesome. Lord, I pray that they won't take this sermon as being a, a sermon where I haven't validated or honored them in any way. And Lord, I couldn't begin to do that with every single individual. There's so many of them. So Lord, embrace them in the only way that you can. Lord, I know that you can go to every single one of them, even at this moment, and you can flood them with an awareness of your presence and cause their heart to sing because of how proud you are of them and how the smile that breaks across your face as you think of them and as you embrace them is something that only you can make them aware of. So Lord, I pray that you do that. Lord, I love this church. And by that I mean I love these people. I love what you are doing in all of our lives. And Lord, I pray that you would do it even more so, so that we will continue to reach more and more people and that they will come to know you, for you are good, you are awesome, and you are loving. Lord, we don't want to get in the way of this green light with red light thinking. We don't want to be out of control. We want to move with speed. So, Lord, help us to go with our eyes set on you, ready to serve wherever it is that we can show love to somebody else. And I pray this in your name, in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. The ushers are, are here. They're going to pass out those offering bags. For those of you who are first-time visitors, again, fold that up, put that in there. We'd love to be able to connect with you. If East Point is your church home, we ask you, we know that all of our sustenance really comes from you as so we ask you to give and be faithful in that. After this song, I'll come back up and I'll dismiss us.
Okay, just before you go, just, just let you know, we have prayer team available. If you'd like some prayer today, just come forward where everybody else is making their way out. Also, we have communion available at both sides of the room. If you'd like to take communion on your way out, that would be great. Thanks for being here again, guys. Hope to see you next week.